0: Welcome to the Deep Dive Discussions podcast, a segment of Bidley Audio podcasts at the Potsdam Public Library in Potsdam, New York. My name is Maggie McKenna, and I am the Adult Program Coordinator at the Potsdam Public Library and the host for the series. Each month, the Deep Dive Discussion series will dive deep into a specific topic with roundtable discussions, individual presentations, suggested reading, and more. I'm joined today by Dr. Janelle Jacobson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Public Health and Human Performance at SUNY Potsdam. And welcome back again, Janelle.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is a five-part series about health insurance. The third discussion of this podcast series is about the mechanics of getting health insurance. Exceptions and special cases, all sorts of things like that. A lot of people get health insurance through their employer, but... Other than getting it through your employer, how do you get health insurance?
1: As I mentioned in a previous episode, we have a mix of private and public health insurance in the United States. You can get health insurance through your employer if your employer offers health insurance. And generally that depends on the size of the employer. If your employer has less than 50 employees, they are not required to provide health coverage. But if they have more than 50 employees, due to the Affordable Care Act, they are required by federal mandate to provide health insurance. So you can get your health insurance through your employer. Now, some small businesses also do choose to provide health insurance, but they're not required. Um, If you are a military veteran, you can get your health care through the VA or TRICARE. You could have your health insurance through there. If you're over the age of 65, you can get some of your health insurance through Medicare. Um, Medicare doesn't cover everything. That is a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are under the age of 65 and you hit a certain poverty level, mm-hmm. you can get your health insurance through Medicaid. Um, and if you're a child, you could get your health ins- insurance through The S-CHIP program, which let's hope it's still around. Right. Um, Because that's currently in question. Okay. As of the recording of this podcast, there's still funding, but um, it's only like on a two or three week delay. Oh, wow. So um, we'll see where that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can buy your health insurance through the marketplace. Ah. So, um, and depending on the state that you live in, New York State has their ho- own health insurance exchange. Uh, if you lived in a place like Nebraska, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, they said, we don't want put to a- put together our own exchange, so we're going to take advantage of the federal health insurance exchange. But, And I call it exchange because that's the way I heard of it. But it's been rebranded as Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're referring to the same thing. Okay, I see. And by basically, I mean we absolutely are referring <laughs> to the same thing.
0: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so there are lots of options out there. Before the Affordable Care Act, there was health insurance. What what happened? What was there? Uh,
1: before the Affordable Care Act, it was really quite a bit harder to get health insurance. So... Um, One of the things that people hear about a lot is the pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. So if you had a pre-existing condition, uh, it was very difficult to get health insurance. It could cost way more Mm -hmm. because they could take that into account when putting together a premium. So your premiums would be astronomically high. Somebody I know uh, prior to the Affordable Care Act uh, had a number of chronic diseases such as diabetes, diabetes. a heart attack and uh, I believe also psoriasis mm-hmm. and so the health insurance premiums ended up being like a thousand dollars a month which is crazy unaffordable especially for somebody on a lower income mm-hmm. so some people just went without health insurance because they couldn't afford it mm-hmm. um, and there were no marketplaces and so if you wanted to get health insurance and you it wasn't provided through your employer, you would end up having to go to a local broker, say your State Farm agent or All State agent, and they would have to take a look and see what they could provide. And if you were healthy um, and younger, you could get something a little bit cheaper. But a lot of the provisions could be that, well, if you're a certain age. And a woman, you could get a health insurance plan, but we're not going to cover any of your pregnancy related expenses. Mm. And so if you got unexpectedly pregnant, uh, those those cover like those costs wouldn't be covered. Mm-hmm. Or you could get health insurance if you had like a chronic disease, you could get health insurance, but they would put in a writer mm-hmm. that would say, "Well, this health insurance will cover." This by, like, will cover you, but it won't cover any of the expenses associated with this like, chronic disease condition. So you could get health insurance. It's just not going to cover your diabetes if you're diabetic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of money, and you have to figure out how you're going to pay for that. The other thing is uh, prior to the Affordable Care Act, say uh, you had health insurance independently – that you had bought through your local agent and they uh, you went and got a mammogram and then they found that you had breast cancer what they could do is like and you were diagnosed with breast cancer and you were expecting oh I had paid my premiums all my life well what they could end up doing is they could say well we're going to cancel your policy. Oh. Because uh, that's a big risk right Mm -hmm. there. Like the health insurance company is going to have to pay out. Mm -hmm. And now they cannot cancel your policy just because you have the thing that you've been paying premiums your entire life for. Mm -hmm. So all of that was, was remediated with it, with the affordable care Mm -hmm. act. A lot of the national debate has focused around the individual mandate and like people know, okay, you can't just get disqualified for a preexisting condition and you can stay on your parents' health insurance until you're 26. There's a lot of parts of the affordable care act that don't get a lot of national press, but are incredibly important. Uh, One there's they've even the playing field that you can't get charged more as a female Mm. just for being a female. Because you could have a baby. Right. So a lot of these things, these regulations, have made health insurance more affordable. Now, the premiums have increased because health insurance plans that are provided through the Affordable Care Act, well, through the marketplace or employers, are required to have certain preventive health benefits and certain benefit packages. And so that's why premiums have increased mm-hmm. because they cover more and they're more robust. But if you get hit by the bus,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's more likely that it's going things are going to be covered. Right. So really
0: we're much better off with the insurance that we have now or for the most part at least
1: according to ac- now <laughs> according to economists uh-huh. it does even the playing field a little bit more interesting because hospitals and physicians were in taking a lot of risk because you because of um a federal statute called EMTALA if you showed up to a hospital emergency department and you were sick uh even before the Affordable Care Act, they were required by federal law to provide stabilizing care. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they were, ran the risk of losing their ability to receive Medicare and Medicaid. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And so say you show up at the emergency department and you don't have health insurance um, they and you're having a heart attack. They have to provide stabilizing care. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have health insurance and no ability to get health insurance, that's just... Debt that you're not going to be able to pay and the hospital is not going to be collecting on. And so hospitals could get more debt and not be able to pay for it. And a lot of hospitals in the United States are not for profits. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean no profit. It just means that um, the profits have to go back into the organization. But if they're consistently running in the red, they run the risk of shutting down. What if I don't want insurance? I'm perfectly healthy.
0: I'm not worried about it. What? what do i what's this mandate thing do i still have to pay
1: it the executive branch has very publicly said that they got rid of the individual mandate and they did but it doesn't take effect you will still need health insurance and proof of health insurance coverage for the 2018 tax period so the individual mandate provision uh being removed won't take effect until 2019. Why did What's they, good about the mandate? The individual mandate is good because health insurance is really based around risk. And health insurance companies build in risk. Like that's that's what they get their bread and butter around. They they basically take a look at you and say I think that you are going to accrue this this many health expenses during the year. So I'm going to charge a little bit more. Uh, and if you don't use that health insurance coverage, I'm going to make money as a health insurance company. But if you do, well, I lost money, but I still got the premium. But why is the individual mandate important? Because if we're requiring everybody to... Pr- get health insurance, it means that health insurance companies can better estimate risk because, uh, prior, um, the only people that were getting health insurance were people that were like had were employees Mm -hmm. of organizations that provided health insurance. Or if somebody, if they were going to go out on their own and get health insurance, uh, They might have been a little bit sicker. Mm -hmm. And if you are sicker, you are going to incur more health care expenses. So you're not a good bet for health insurance companies. So by requiring everybody to get health insurance, you're making the pool bigger. Like if everybody gets health insurance and everybody pays a premium, it means that the young and healthy people are counterbalancing the older and sicker people. But they're, it's evening how much everybody's paying for their premiums. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the younger and healthier people might actually be paying a little bit more, but it's counterbalancing the older and sicker. But young people can get sick too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we like I like to refer to young people as like the young invincibles. They're like, oh, I don't need health insurance. Right. Why bother? I'm never going to get sick. Nothing's going to happen. I'm like bus <laughs> getting hit by a bus could right. happen. But For sure. if you have a huge pool of people, um, they can say, OK, based on this pool of people, I think that the premium should be X. But if you get rid of the individual mandate, those young and invincible kids are going to be like, oh, I don't think anything's going to happen to me. And I'm willing to place my bets that I'm going to be okay. So they're going to exit the pool. Mm-hmm. And so the pool of people that have insurance gets smaller. And so, well, what happens when this, the pool is smaller? You've gotten rid of the people that are that were paying premiums before. Who may be less likely to incur right. costs. Right. And so they were paying in, but frankly getting less health care. You're removing them from the pool. So the the people that are left in the pool they are a little, they might be a little bit sicker and they're going to cost health insurance companies a little bit more money. So as a result, health insurance companies are going to increase the premiums, but they're like, "Mm, I'm going to place my bets and say that I can pay out of pocket for my healthcare expenses versus paying my premium for the health insurance because it went up. So they're going to leave the pool. And then the pool got smaller. And then ultimately, over time, the pool is only going to be people that are sick with a lot of health care expenses. And so the premiums are going to go up so much that they're unaffordable. Mm -hmm. And we had this situation prior to the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people and a lot of states ended up setting up these uh, health insurance pools. They were called high-risk pools. Mm -hmm. And they're for people that couldn't get health insurance. Uh, in any other way because they might have an extreme chronic disease and they made too much money to qualify for Medicaid and were too young to qualify for Medicare and couldn't get health insurance any other way. Now, we didn't have the subsidies that we had before, but the question in our mind now that the individual, individual mandate has gone away is whether insurance companies are still going to decide to provide health insurance on the, in the marketplace. Because um, there's maps out there. And so this last enrollment period, um, there were plenty of spots across the United States that they only have one. When they go to sign up for health insurance on the marketplace, there was only one health insurance provider. Mm. So if the pool's gotten smaller, if people decide... I don't have to pay for health insurance, there could be the issue that the insurers that were providing health insurance through the marketplace decide not to provide health insurance through the marketplace anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there could be plenty of spots in the United States that they could have subsidies uh, that are provided through the federal government in order to help pay for their health insurance. But there's no health insurers that are willing to sell Health insurance through the marketplace, mm-hmm. and that's the big issue. Um, we won't really know anything about that because I think and until about June or July, because June or July is with when health insurance companies decide whether they're going to provide health insurance through the exchange or through the marketplace
0: for the next year.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. So we won't know what the impact of this decision is until June or July. But I bet. In especially large parts of the Midwest, um, if you looked at a map, there's several, like a lot of counties that they only had one provider. And if they decide, if the health insurance company decides, nope, I'm not going to do it, um, they could not be able to buy health insurance through the exchange or marketplace.
0: Yeah, well, we should get a hold of that map and share it on our Facebook and maybe even put it up on our website, PotsdamLibrary.org. Check us out over there. I've heard of this COBRA thing. So the question is, what if I lose my job and I had insurance through my employer? What options do I have to extend
1: coverage? So COBRA was something that was put in in place uh, after or during the Clinton administration, and this was basically providing. So, if you should lose your job or be fired or quit, this was you could still get your employer based health insurance, but you would have to pay the full cost of the premium. So, currently, a lot of employers provide health insurance and they pay part of the premium, and the employee pays the full premium. And so the employer, in general, this is a blanket statement, um, pays more of the premium than the employee does. Mm -hmm. With COBRA, you would actually have to pay the full cost of the premium.
0: Right. So if you only had to pay 50% of that full premium then now you have to pay a hundred percent exactly it's going to be literally double
1: exactly and so cobra was a good option before the affordable care act because some people they were like i i need health insurance and i'm willing to pay the full amount after i left this position until i can get to the next position um, and it could be a month or two it could be several months but mm-hmm. it just depends on what your life circumstances are So that's one option mm-hmm. but um, part of the Affordable Care Act is that you can buy health insurance on the exchange and so if you lose your coverage it does trigger or if you lose your coverage of through your employer um, you would it would actually trigger, what they like to call a special enrollment period. So the special enrollment period is, so we're talking about open enrollment right now.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah. Uh,
1: And open enrollment means that this is the period where you can change your health insurance, um, decide like what benefit plan you want, things like that. And once the open enrollment period is done, you cannot make changes until the next open enrollment period. And so that's why paying attention to what your health insurance coverage is and reviewing your health insurance coverage during the open enrollment period is so important. Because once you've made that decision, you're locked in. But if you have a qualifying event, uh, it can trigger a special enrollment period. And I would absolutely tell you that it would be important for you to check out healthcare.gov because it will give you a lot of information about what what are qualifying events for triggering a special enrollment period.
0: Mm-hmm. But usually they're birth of a new child or loss of
1: yeah. insurance, right? If you got married, uh-huh. had a baby, adopted a child, placed a child... Uh, for foster care, got divorced or legally separated and lost health insurance, or if somebody um, on your marketplace plan dies and as a result, you're no longer eligible for your health plan. There's a lot of other provisions that would trigger a special enrollment period, but if you go to healthcare.gov, it will give you the information. So if you do have a qualifying event that triggers a special enrollment period, Mm you would be able to go on healthcare.gov and actually purchase health insurance. There, there absolutely does need to be a qualifying event.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to add another person or even take
1: off a person, would that have to happen during a special? It would or- have to be a qualifying yeah. event. Mm-hmm. Or like you could do it during the open enrollment period. Right.
0: So another question we have is, my employer offers insurance, but it's very expensive. Do I have other options for my children to lessen my costs?
1: So it's largely going to be dependent on how much money you make and how big your family is. So there is the possibility that um, based on your income, depending on the size of your family, and how much money you make, you your child could qualify for the SCHIP program, which is the Supplemental Children's Health Insurance Program. And um, it's currently in question, but we're going to operate under the principle for the purposes mm-hmm. of this podcast that it will continue. Sometimes people call that Child Health Plus, right? So Child Health Plus is New York State's oh, okay. branding of that. So uh, the s-chip program or chip program depending on who you ask Mm -hmm. uh is a federal program but it's administered by the states and each state really has a different name for it um in new york state it's called child health plus i think that in iowa it was called um iowa connects or something like that or hawk care or something like that. We're the Hawkeye State. Oh there you go. Um but <laughs> because each state uh administers the CHIP program, they are going to have different rules. But yes, in New York State it's the Child Health Plus. And if you go to the website it will give you information about what um there's great tables out there so it says how much money your family makes per year, the size of your family, and you can figure out
0: your eligibility,
1: right? And so the um, Child Health Plus uh, in New York State, uh, the difference there is that um, it's not like it's not necessarily Medicaid, where it's not it's going to be of no cost to you. In Medicaid is. Very complicated. So depending on your type of Medicaid, mm. it, there could be expenses associated with it. But with Child Health Plus or the CHIP program, it generally operates on a sliding scale. So if you make more money, your premium for your child's health insurance might be a little bit more. But... Um, for the most part, it's much less expensive than much less through, through your employer. Exactly. Because um, employer-based health insurance, is, it subsidizes your, your health insurance, but not necessarily your cost of your premium, but not necessarily the cost of your family members, which is why it's so expensive to have like family members on your health insurance. So you can take a look at Child Health Plus, and it might even be the case that your child may qualify for Medicaid as well. But I think it's important for you to take a look at the website uh,
0: so that's all through the marketplace as well. Um, if you uh, in New York State at least, absolutely if you apply through that. And we actually have at, here at the Potsdam Public Library. I think it's on Tuesday afternoons. We have somebody from the Health Initiative,
1: the Saint Lawrence Health Initiative.
0: Yeah, and she's a navigator, so she can help you with all sorts of questions that you know anybody would have on on getting health insurance. Now is really the best time to to look into doing that. So
1: absolutely. That and um, the health initiative is an amazing resource mm-hmm. and they can walk you through the entire process and help you figure out what documentation you might need and really help organize the process. Because as you've learned from this podcast, <laughs> health insurance is complicated. Really complicated and they're experts in this field. Mm-hmm. And even if, Um, the open enrollment period is over and you have a qualifying life event, uh, it would be important to contact the health initiative as well Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, because they would still be able to help you figure out what your options might be.
0: Is it a better deal to have a high deductible plan with a health savings account or an expensive comprehensive
1: plan? So ultimately it comes down to the concept of risk. And how much risk you're willing to take on. So if you're young and healthy and you think, I'm not going to use a lot of healthcare expenses in this next year, I'm willing to go with a higher deductible plan and a health savings account and just play on the odds that I'm young and healthy and nothing's going to happen to me. But if something does happen to me, I've got my health savings account that's going to cover some of my expenses. And I have a higher deductible. I'm going to meet that deductible probably eventually if something terribly unfortunate happens. But I am I am going to say that I'm not going to have a poor health event in the next year. And so if you're feeling kind of risky, you're young and healthy, you don't have any chronic diseases, it, it might be a good plan for you. Um, but if you have more chronic diseases, say that you've got heart disease, or you're on a statin, and you need to have blood tests regularly or some other condition, a lower deductible and a higher premium might be the better bet for you because you're likely to accrue more health expenses and you don't want to have to pay the full cost of that health care up until the point that your health insurance kicks in after you've met your deductible.
0: Right. And a lot of people that get health insurance through their employer don't have that option. I I know one employer I had did actually have a bronze plan and a gold plan. You could choose which one you wanted to go with. But most people really don't have that option when they get it through their employer.
1: Right. It largely depends on the size of your employer. And so if you work for like and this is in my opinion that... um, the larger your employer, the more options. And also, if you're in a larger urban area, you might have more health insurance options and more health care providers. In a rural area, there's a lot of limits associated with the health care providers in the area.
0: I've noticed that. I mean, I grew up on Long Island and, well, my dad was a teacher, so we had an empire plan, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, it just it seemed like things were much simpler back then before I was... Adulting, you know. (laughs) Yeah, adulting is kind of terrible. It really is. It really is. Well, we're trying to help you with adulting a little bit here with health insurance. So this has been Deep Dive Discussions on Health Insurance with Dr. Janelle Jacobson. This podcast is a segment of Bibli Audio Podcasts at the Potsdam Public Library. Join us next time when we talk about government insurance.